My name is Dario Hasenstab. I have two degrees in international affairs, and I'm here with Balder Hagritz, a former university professor of mine, as well as an IR consultant. And together, we're bursting the Western bubble. Today, we will analyze the Roman Empire through the lens of the Western bubble, because while Western societies have many strengths and significant weaknesses, in order to analyze these, we use the concept of the Western bubble. If you would like to know more about this concept, how this podcast started, or who we are, make sure to listen to our introduction episode. Hi, Balder. How many times do you think about the Roman Empire per day? <laughs> hi, hi, Dario. Well, actually, my partner, she asked me about it uh, a while back because of this global meme. And I am happy to tell you that my answer to her at the time was about twice a day. Now, that was a little bit of a wild guess, but it does emphasize that I'm very much part of this kind of male-dominated pattern of obsessing about the Roman Empire. Uh, now, I must say that this is also, of course, part of my work. So that, that gives me some kind of cover here. But there is no doubt that, that, that Rome and the Roman Empire are hugely important psychologically within our so social symbolism. You can see it in architecture. You can see it everywhere. And many, many people, myself included, uh, do kind of implicitly dream of a never existing glory time when when civilization was well structured and when um, Western society was at its peak, if you like. Now, none of that is is true. It's a real bubble, but it is an implicit. It's it's an implicit aspect of a lot of our male psychology. Well, for me personally, uh, so when I was asked that question, right, my answer is definitely not that high, but I think more about the Egyptian empire. Um, very much the pharaohs uh, have a deep, deep place in my heart. Uh, empires somehow are just cool, aren't they? I mean, we, 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 we just long for them because it's, we, can, we can get rid of all the negative things about them and just dream of everything that was glorious. And so with regards to the Western Bubble podcast, then why are we talking about uh, the Roman Empire as a topic today? How is it relevant for the Western Bubble? Well, so the Roman Empire, because of its huge cultural significance, is always there in the West. It is in many ways an important foundation of our Western existence, uh, which has become even more important because of that longing back that we just mentioned towards glorious days that never existed, like make make the West great again, right? Uh, so the, the, there, is, there is definitely just a foundational aspect to it, like the birthplace of modern Western society. But from a 2023 Western bubble perspective, there are some really interesting similarities when it comes to the rise and fall of civilization. So the foundation of Roman success was the Roman Republic, very hard work in the centuries uh, BC uh, until roughly Julius Caesar, right? The, the, the Republic built up internal structures, um, conquered significant parts of its surroundings, and then it transitions into an empire and you see a steady decline of that success occurring. And something similar is visible right now with the West, where regardless of how you feel about colonialism and, and, and brutality that the West inflicted upon the rest of the world, the West grew in influence and importance over the past few centuries. There's no doubt about that, with maybe the peak 
being somewhere in the 20th century. Since then, there has been a transition towards managing that success rather than building on that success. And it seems that we're making similar mistakes to what the Romans did in their days. And what are the facts? Rome was a kingdom, then a republic, and finally an empire that lasted from 753 before the Common Era, when the city of Rome was founded, until 1453, when the Ottoman Empire conquered Constantinople, now Istanbul. At its furthest extent, Rome extended from Morocco and Britain in the west to Mesopotamia and Crimea in the east, although the center of the empire was always the Mediterranean basin. Rome is, foundation, is foundational for Western civilization and countries, including France, Italy, Russia and Germany, who have all claimed to be their true successor at some point. Their influence can be seen in Western symbols, such as the eagle of the United States or Germany, or alliance of England and Spain. Additionally, Roman law serves as the basis for civil law, which is used in a majority of the world's legal systems. Western political systems also descend from those of the Roman Republic, especially traditions relating to the separation of powers. What is the bubble? So <laughs> why do we have so much of an attachment to the Roman Empire? Um, and let's say, why do particularly men have that attachment to the Roman Empire, right? Because, I mean, that global internet trend was always... Uh, usually the partners asking asking their, their husbands or boyfriends, how many times per day do you think about the Roman Empire? And a, a funny thing happening where a lot of them saying, well, you know, at least once or twice a week. Um, so what's it with us men <laughs> that we that we think about the Roman Empire so much? There I am saying twice a day. I guess once or twice a week would, <laughs> would be nothing in my world. Um, <laughs> they... There is genuinely a lot of value coming from Roman days for modern day Western society and, and even global society, right? There are some genuinely good things coming from Roman times. The things that you mentioned in your fact sheet, having universal rule of law, having political representation with some kind of representative government, all those kinds of things are typically recognized to be good things and they were to a certain extent established in at least from a Western context, uh, from a Western perspective, they were established in Roman times by the Roman Republic. And we still see a lot of these outcomes, um, the ownership, possession, uh, contract law, the Napoleonic Code drew heavily on uh, from Roman legal principles. Um, in the United States, things such as habeas corpus and pro bono are continuously used within a legal context. All of that comes from Roman times. So it's not a crazy idea that we can sort of admire at least that side of Roman society, right? The, here in Spain, where I live, the aqueducts and the infrastructure is uh, everywhere to be seen from 2000 years ago. Really, really well built up uh, infrastructure that, that has stood the test of time. All of those things in itself are admirable thing, right? Um, there, the fact that there are so many cities in Europe that were established by the Romans, um, going from Paris to London to Zurich, all of these cities come from Roman times. Of course, Rome is important in our Western psych uh, psyche. However, I think that this idea of especially men 
thinking so much more about Roman times than if you like your average woman or uh, maybe then outsiders, uh, foreigners, is that we somehow from a very young age believe that there was something absolutely glorious and admirable about the very existence of the empire. And that's where you get into bubble territory, right? Because let's face it, uh, there is an yes, an awful lot of positive things to point at, but this was also a ruthless, militaristic, harsh empire that, and, and even the Republic that murdered, that killed, that enslaved people, that was very class-based, where if you were poor, you lived a miserable life. If you were a high-ranking Roman citizen, then basically you were in a completely different environment than the majority of the people that uh, lived around you. Um, it was a society that um, had very little respect for the sanctity of life and all those kinds of things. So essentially we, we shed all the negativity. We, we forget about the darkness that absolutely existed in Roman times. And instead we glorify the things that we still see today as something positive. I, I'm pretty sure. And I mean, also from conversations with others, um, obviously the Roman empire is something very Western based. Um, I'm pretty sure if you did a survey of men internationally that most of them will think about some form of empire. However, it will most likely be the empire that's closest to them, right? So I, I don't know why I'm the outlier here and I like to think about the Egyptian empire uh, so much. Um, but I mean, in, right, you've had empires throughout times everywhere in the world. Um, and I'm pretty sure that there will probably be some people who very much like to think about Genghis Khan. Um, there will be uh, people who very much like to think about the Inca or the Aztec um, or about the Ottoman Empire, right? Or about Mensa Musa. Uh, there will be a lot of different empires in the world that particularly men like to think about because it is something to hang on to, right? That thinking of simpler times, particularly for men, um, right? where there's some form of greatness that we can hold on to. Well, the, the past is always easier to to cleanse from any unpleasantness, right, than the present. So in those cases, when people dream of the Aztec Empire, they will also forget about the very bloody nature of uh, Aztec conquest, for example. Uh, those who admire Genghis Khan will um, very much forget about the rougher aspects of Genghis Khan. And that's exactly what you see with the Romans as well, right? Um, one of our wonderful researchers, Aston, pointed out that uh, our perspective on Rome has been literally whitewashed in the sense that the architecture that we now see is looks all white and marble because the paint has gone off and the only thing that's left is the infrastructure and that is exactly what you what you see in the way that um, a 10 year old or a 15 year old uh, boy thinks about those days right you forget about slavery you forget about cruelty you think about the power and the influence and the, the stability and if you're certainly if you're or someone like me, when I was 10 years old, I would obsess about the Roman armies because they 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 just looked cool and they looked invincible and, and, and things like that, right? So you basically connect at a very deep emotional level to this imperial image, which has very little to do with reality, um, but it suits your own anxiety and, 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 and it gives you something to dream about. Um, 
I, I very much relate to that in that sense. And I mean, so there, there's this, uh, right, this comic series, this French comic series of Asterix and Obelix, which is obviously, right, that kind of first connection that maybe many young children will have in the West, or particularly many young boys will have to uh, the Roman Empire, where maybe there the Roman Empire is not depicted in the strongest of ways. Um, but it definitely is, is an entry point, right? And there's, and there's history. It's also something very cool and exciting and easy to learn about, right? I, I think that's the reason why for me the Egyptian Empire was maybe a bit more accessible because it's it's nice and exciting to learn about pyramids. Then there's the Colosseum. Um, and I can very much relate uh, to, to what you said about battle tactics because that was a hugely important factor for me. I don't know how your generation did that, whether you had, had stone tablets uh, kind of talking about these. But for me, right, uh, having having access to YouTube at a rather young age, there's hours and hours of documentaries about Roman battle tactics, Roman I don't know, emperors and uh, about this battle and that battle. Right. And there's a very quick and easy access way for a young child or even a teenager to start glorifying that. And there's so much content about it that you're constantly right being fed that uh, whether it's uh, right in form of videos and documentaries or in form of computer games. Um, I, I think that that might be that common denominator, which uh, which especially now most younger men have uh, to the Roman Empire. And also boys will be boys. It's 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 not just it's not just younger men. I think I think this translates all the way into adulthood. Right. Those, those documentaries you mentioned on YouTube, but also, for example, the History Channel uh, is full of those kinds of things. Um, they're also aimed at 40 year olds, at 50 year olds who still long back to <laughs> Um, um, back for for that for that that childhood where they could dream about uh, about empire, empires without worrying about day to day lives. There's some kind of escapism in many ways, right? It's like a way to escape reality and to think about when everything seemed in our historically uh, sanitized perspective more organized and more successful, etc., etc. Especially during a time period when people are a little bit uncomfortable about themselves, right? Uh, when people feel that the, the world around them is not doing very well, then you long back to those glory days. I think the best example um, might be uh, might be gladiators, right? Because I mean, as, as a young boy, gladiators are absolute heroes and you read about them. Well, you actually, how much do you read about them, right? You... You watch that because the moment that you start reading about them, you learn that maybe they weren't people who did this voluntarily and just wanted to have a great career in fighting, but that those were slaves. Um, <clears throat> and the gladiators that we talk about nowadays were simply the ones who were lucky enough to survive a few fights. Yeah, so, so if you really stop and think about this, these were slaves who were told to kill each other for entertainment. The Colosseum would be filled with 50,000 Romans or more watching slaves basically murdering each other. There is nothing positive about that. And the only way to somehow connect to that, as we their TV shows called Gladiator nowadays, the, 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 the athleticism and strength and all that, the only way to do that, to connect to that, is by creating an incredibly sanitized picture, which already starts exactly with something like Asterix, right? For those people who have never read Asterix, Asterix books, um, it's 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 incredible uh, for any child uh, because it is a fun, light-hearted perspective on those days. Whereas in reality, 
There was very little fun and lightheartedness about it. This was a murderous military machine that then enslaved people to fight for entertainment in Rome. There was nothing good about that from a 21st century moral perspective. But yet, we still long back for it somehow. Let's, uh, let's go away from the individual perspective, uh, more towards a society perspective. Um, the West itself is also very obsessed with the Roman Empire. I mean, okay, in university, I'll give it to all the law, to all the law courses that you have to study Roman law, if uh, given that it's the basis of a lot of things. But you could leave it at that because, I mean, if you, especially in politics, you could look more towards the Greek uh, than, than, uh, than the Romans. But what is it with society as a whole, mostly made up of men, a patriarchal society, uh, longing back to that, yeah, Roman greatness? Because they achieved what a lot of others tried to achieve afterwards, right? In this, in our past thousand years or so, or so of Western society, we've had leader after leader dreaming of reestablishing this mythological former empire. Um, you know, it's very important to realize for especially people who don't know European history that the fall of the Roman Empire was then followed by 500 years of dark ages, basically where European culture was absolutely gone. There was very little left of any of the glory days. If you, if you were to walk around Europe in the 7th or 8th century AD, it was a dark, dark place, especially compared to the thriving civilizations in China, in the Arab world, etc., etc. Western Europe was not a good place. And ever since that very stark contrast between this mythologically omnipresent Roman Empire in our in our minds, in our in our existence, and then five hundred years of dark ages before slowly we start building up towards the late Middle Ages and the Renaissance, that has created a huge kind of trauma in Western society, right? And there has been a longing to go back to that empire by leaders afterwards. The Holy Roman Emperor, uh, Empire was built on this idea of re-establishing somehow those glory days, even though, as Voltaire said, the, you know, the Holy Roman Empire was neither holy nor Roman, nor it was an empire. It, it had Roman in, in its title to suggest going back to civilization, to go back to control, to go back to authority. Napoleon was a great admirer of the Rome, uh, Romans and believed that he was establishing a new Roman Empire. Even the Nazis in the 20th century copied an awful lot of uh, Roman military structures and um, concepts in order to tell themselves that they were going back to those glory days. It has been always like a dream of a patriarchal militarist Western society to achieve a, um, a greatness similar to what you saw in Rome in, let's say, 100 AD. What's the international relations context? So let's take this uh, into today's perspective. Um, and I think here it's, it's important to, to first work out, well, what made the Roman Empire so successful? Uh, was it, uh, you know, all these uh, massive soldiers? I mean, because you, you somehow need to, you need to build up that army first. So what was it that made the Roman Empire so successful? Or, to be more specific here, what allowed Rome to become the Roman Empire? 
it's interesting because it, it actually started from very humble beginnings. And of course, from the very start of its expansion as a republic, not as an empire, as a republic, um, it had to fight wars. But the strength of Roman society as a republic, and I'm emphasizing that to sort of create that divide between the first successful foundations and then the management afterwards, uh, the Republic was strong because of its internal makeup, because of its internal um, organization, and because of its political system, good decision-making, good policy-making, uh, good um, cultural progress, uh, good infrastructure. And if you look at what we now admire about the Roman Empire, all of that was built up by the Roman Republic. Uh, if you look at the map of times of Julius Caesar, because that's typically when we when there is when we acknowledge that shift, right? Because after Caesar, the first emperor Augustus came into power. In the in the days of Julius Caesar, Rome had already conquered very significant parts of Europe and parts of the Mediterranean. But more importantly, Rome had set up internal mechanisms that allowed its civilization to be successful. A political system with the rule of law, with political oversight, uh, a, a good policymaking machine, a very strong administration, very good roads, very good uh, architectural and engineering capabilities. All of that existed before Rome became an empire. And that's similar to the West, right? Where, I mean, so what What made the Roman Empire so strong? It was that internal makeup, it was the Republic, it was all, it was all these uh, processes. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that strong military machine, right? Because a strong military machine was a direct result of a strong economy, a strong political system, all of that. And that's something that we see in the West uh, today as well, right? And it's something that we've continuously emphasized over the last uh, 60 episodes, where um, the West is not so strong today necessarily because of its uh, because of its military, but because of these 400 years of strong and, and very tedious intellectual work and you know all the stuff that students nowadays have to learn about in history. Yes, and nothing has of that has to do with morality, right? I mean, I don't think anyone can look at colonial times of the West over the past few hundred years and say, "Hey, that was a a force for good in the world." Obviously, it wasn't, but. In many ways, just like Roman expansion into modern-day France and into modern-day Spain was sort of was a, if you like, negative from a moral perspective, negative result of that internal strength. Just like that internal strength in the West led to negative outcomes such as colonization and all that. This understanding of an era of a period in time where civilizations built themselves up is really important and to recognize the moment when those foundations are taken for granted, are no longer further developed, are no longer strengthened, and future generations in Roman days, just like in West in the West in the late 20th and early 21st century, uh, future generations basically stop working hard and become, if you like, um, happy to just manage what they've got. And that is typically the start of decline. That is the moment when things go awry. And that's then also similar to the decline, right? So we've had a, a similar kind of like 
path to to strength and to an empire but then the decline looked similar as well in that sense right where for the roman empire it was about losing kind of touch with those foundations right becoming an empire and kind of leaving behind the republic realizing maybe the need for a strong emperor in order to continue that empire um and very much a maybe not a society but i would say a system going into overdrive because i mean yeah, yes the roman empire was a bit had a bit of representative uh, elements right in, in its policy making but ultimately i'm not sure to what extent the everyday everyday joe in the roman empire had an influence uh, on his policy making it was very much the elites um, that then went into overdrive right <clears throat> taking that republic turning it into the empire and then really going out Yes, even more so, I would argue that even though obviously, um, even during the Republic, it wasn't like a full-fledged democracy as we have now because the, the political system wasn't open to everyone within the Roman Republic. The moment you transition to an empire is by definition, you start centralizing power around a small group of people, technically around one person, but in practice, it's usually uh, a group of people surrounding the em uh, emperor. And what that means is that all of a sudden you become incredibly dependent on the competence of that one person or that one small group of people. And this is very visible with the Roman um, Empire where you then have clearly disastrous emperors who do significant damage to those foundations built up during the Republic, people like Caligula, Nero, and you also have time periods in which the emperors are actually good at their job, they're competent, uh, the, the five good uh, empire uh, emperors, right? Um, uh, now my history is being tested here, but Nerva and Hadrian and Marcus Aurelius, um, th those emperors who actually did a good job and, and still managed to hold the empire together and managed to um, create a relative level of prosperity for its citizens, you become incredibly beholden to those individual agendas and individual competencies. And that's exactly what we are moving towards in the West as well, where increasingly the system itself is dependent on politicians, populist politicians, actually doing a good or a bad job. We're no longer able to just rely on the system, even if a specific president or prime minister is maybe less than ideal. Um, in we can't rely on the system then covering for that. Uh, we are becoming more and more dominated by politics of personality. And as a result, we're going down a path where in the long run, we're asking for trouble. And, and I think this is uh, one of the central differences then between the Roman Empire and the West today is <clears throat> you have a very similar development with regards to the elites going into overdrive. However, in the West, you also have the overall society and population going into overdrive. And this is a direct result of being a democracy, right? But And this is the main reason why we're doing this podcast, because I'm not sure whether the elites uh, of Western policymaking are listening to us. However, the idea is that Western society as a whole, right, <laughs> grassroots movement, um, bottom-up has that approach where the elites are only capable uh, of going into overdrive if society lets them. And I think this is what we're seeing now, where 
in the Roman Empire, it was very much the uh, elites being full of themselves and thinking that Roman greatness needs to be expanded. Now you also have uh, in, in the West, you have populations believing that and believing in the, that Owen mythology here. And keep in mind that Julius Caesar, as a transitional character within um, this, this game between Republic and Empire, he was a highly successful um, upper class, a highly successful general, um, incredibly popular among the masses. Right. Um, in many ways, it was him as a populist leader going against the established, if the established elites, if you like, and he used his popularity among his soldiers, among his armies, to actually turn the system into an imperial system. Even though he himself was never emperor technically, he was the one who used the masses, used his popularity to his advantage to take a position that hadn't existed in the hundreds of years before within the Republic. And then after his murder, um, that led to civil war. And then he had sort of opened the floodgates to an imperial way of thinking. And there you see um, Augustus rising up as the first formal technical emperor. So this interplay between popularity, masses, and ambitious and, you know, possibly destructive leadership is very clearly visible in those days and it's very, very clearly visible now. P politicians, depending on simplistic messages to get the masses on board and to fight the system, right? To fight the structures that had been set up and that were so successful in creating civilization. And can you explain to our listeners what is the problem? And this is already one of the main problems with idealizing Rome and particularly with idealizing the Roman Empire, right? And not necessarily the Roman Republic for that sense. Um, it is not learning those lessons of, right, the similarities that we've pointed out. Um, and that is then the damage and the problem in today's society is by having too many men overly obsessed with the Roman Empire for the wrong reasons, right? Being obsessed with its military, being obsessed with its might, strength, gladiators, and all of that, and not necessarily being obsessed with uh, the Republican aspects of it uh, that made it so strong. Yeah, we typically, and this is of course simplifying, oversimplifying and stereotyping quite a lot, but typically you see that within patriarchy, uh, men do not really seem to understand the value of culture. You know, I know I have to be careful here because, of course, uh, you know, uh, there are lots of men who do. But but what you see is that 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 in a simplistic model, we men have a tendency towards power and towards military mind over the the beauty of theater or the beauty of painting or the beauty of music. And it's exactly those cultural aspects that typically make a society actually great, that allow a society to thrive. Uh, it's the, if you like, the soft power that has made the West as influential as it's been, um, especially a country like the United States in the 20th century. And it is what made the Republic able to conquer so many territories around it by having an internal makeup that was logical, that led to good policy making, that led to um, good engineering, 
and had actually very little to do with military prowess, right? And yet we overvalue the military, we overvalue um, these, these mythological events, like certain battles, certain wars, and we undervalue the slow incremental change, change in society. And then what you see is that at a time that things aren't going great, um, then we long for that military to protect us, right? Rather than thinking, hang on, why aren't things going great? We need to go back to soft power. We need to develop our, our political system in better ways. We need to strengthen our, our cultural fabric within society. No, no, no. We need the soldiers to protect us against the bad guys, against threats, against enemies. Right. Instead of... Um fixing poverty, uh, fighting, uh, I don't know, fighting crime, um, making sure that uh, there's accountability and that there's decreased corruption, you start focusing on external enemies. Um, so with Rome, this was the barbarians, uh, this was everyone from the outside. Um, at some point, there was also a lot of infighting, right? Um, kind of just creating enemies and always searching for the fault on the outside. And you see this with, I mean, with the West as well, right? I mean, instead of, I don't know, uh, let's take the United States as an example, instead of um, fighting fighting drugs, right? So, so, so when you take that example, um, instead of looking at the socioeconomic factors that could lead to a human being being vulnerable to this, um, right, also, so some of these things that happened with, uh, uh, right, with, with doctors prescribing very strong painkillers, you look abroad and you start a war on drugs and you start, you know, being very active in Colombia and South America and you start looking outward instead of inward because the reason why people are using drugs is not that they have problems themselves which lead to them using drugs. No, it's the availability of drugs. And I think that's just one example of, right, that, military-solving attitude, uh, because military, at least from my perspective, is always focused on the outside and never on the inside. Yes, your society is on the decline, and that means that you start feeling threatened by the other. You start othering the world, right? You start saying, hey, hang on, whereas in the past, the world was our oyster, because we could do whatever we like, and we were, we were flourishing as a civilization, and we had nothing to fear. Now we see that our society is doing really badly, things are going wrong, I feel insecure about myself, so I'm targeting now the outsider, the foreigner, as my enemy. And how do I protect myself against that enemy? By putting a strong military there. Uh, there there's a very interesting parallel there as well with immigration, right? So the United States, as well as Rome, in many ways benefited tremendously from integrating other cultures into their society. But at the time that things go right in the United States in the 21st century, in Roman times, let's say 250 AD or 300 AD, all of a sudden that those immigrants, those outsiders become the enemy. And how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? Have more soldiers than them. So pump, keep on pumping money into that military machine. And as a result, you have less money available to actually deal with what's really important. Um, drug use at home, as you, as you mentioned, or poverty or all those kinds of things. Uh, we can't build up uh, infrastructure anymore because we don't have money for infrastructure. Um, and, and the result is that the outside becomes something to defend against with guns rather than in inner strength and inner development. 
In, instead of then focusing exactly on, on those things uh, that once made you great. And uh, the example here with Rome was infrastructure, right? So infrastructure built up by Rome, right? These nice roads that all led to Rome, um, uh, where what once made uh, the Republic and the Empire great, but then ultimately was kind of used against it when everyone wanted to go to Rome to maybe conquer it or attack it, had it really easy. Um, and we see this similarly with the West, right? So when we're talking about infrastructure, you could also talk about international institutions, such as the United Nations, um, being set up, being used by the West for its conquest, right, of the world in that sense, uh, kind of yeah, taking charge and keeping control of the of uh, of, of of Earth. Um, and now that you see the West kind of being too busy fighting demons on the outside and other countries that have focused very much on the inside in the last 40 years, such as China, China then using this infrastructure such as the United Nations for its own advantage. And so the, the, the right answer would be how can we um, as Romans or how can we as Americans now um, relate, connect to that new reality? How can we still make sure that that infrastructure works in our advantage? But that's not what we're doing. We're trying to desperately now fight back, right? Rather than recognizing changing times, and rather than saying, hey, we've built up a world that is changing and let's act accordingly, what we do is we desperately try to keep ownership over those kind of, that infrastructure. So in Roman times, keep ownership um, over uh, the territory and roads without any kind of flexibility, without any kind of understanding that change, changing times required maybe a little bit of uh, adaptability. In Western times, we're desperately trying to sort of keep the Chinese out of the World Trade Organization or the Chinese out of the United Nations rather than adapting with the times. So this is a very, very clear example where if you were to learn the histories from the past, this mythological Roman Empire, we could actually strengthen our own behavior now. But instead, we are just trying to become as reactionary and as um, yeah, conservative as the Romans did in the 2nd and 3rd centuries AD. And look how it went for them. Look what it resulted in. And what now? So where do we go from here? I mean, if, right, so there's always options on the table, right? We, we don't have to continue the way we're doing things right now. Um, but let's say that we continue on the current path as the West. So we continue to entrench ourselves. We fight back against um, all the evil powers from the outside. Um, we continue to demonize any, anyone who is kind of going against the Western ways. Uh, what's the result here? Well, so it's basically the, the question is, will we learn these lessons, right? For example, if you look at your average... Um, U.S. citizen that feels threatened by the outside world. Typically, certainly, if you like in Republican circles, the answer is, oh, uh, we are very worried about our budget deficit. We are economically on the back foot at the moment. You know, things aren't as great as they used to be 50 years ago. We need to deal with that. We need to cut spending, cut spending on infrastructure, cut spending on social projects. But the one thing that we can't touch is the Pentagon. The military needs to stay strong. Now, if we continue going down that path, 
of believing that somehow the military is the way to protect yourselves against the outside world, then we're going to go down in flames, right? If we keep on believing that every 100 billion spent on the military is 100 billion better spent than on poverty programs or on education or on infrastructure, we do not understand our own success and our own reality. We basically will become more and more entrenched until one day, just like with the Roman Empire, um, we will disappear. Rome was sacked and... Um, 200 years later, Europe was thrown into the Dark Ages. That is a very possible scenario for North America and Western Europe in the 21st century as well, if we don't learn the lessons. So is this a, a left versus right thing then? Is that is the solution to not ending up like the Romans, basically voting for the left side of the spectrum? Um, not necessarily that, but it is useful to acknowledge to know what happened in Roman society here. So Rome was always, even in the Republic, Republican days, when it was thriving, when it was doing well, was a deeply conservative society, very patriarchal. But what happens when things went awry in the 3rd and 4th century AD, you notice that it becomes incredibly reactionary, not just conservative, so not just right-wing in a modern-day political spectrum, but reactionary and desperately trying to hang on what there is and not being able to have any forward-looking agenda anymore, not understanding the foundations of Roman success. And a similar thing can be viewed right now with, if you like, the Republicans or Western right-wing parties in general, that if you compare their social policies, their acknowledgement of the importance of infrastructure and internal well-being, it has gone way more to the reactionary sides than 50 years ago. 50 years ago, the Republican Party had social programs. They understood that U.S. society needed to be strong internally in order to have influence externally. And that understanding seems to have whittled down. And the only thing that seems to be left is this idea that as long as we invest in the military, we're going to be fine, which is, of course, not a proper understanding of the reality that United States or Western Europe is facing. Right, right. we've uh, analyzed a, uh, a similar pattern with uh, the Tories in the United Kingdom last week, um, where you have a, a very similar development from 50 years ago, the Tories having all these uh, ideas and now moving very much to that reactionary populist uh, type of attitude. And once again, you can see a very good example there with the the hero of the Conservative Party, historical hero, Margaret Thatcher. She took Britain into Europe. And yet it is now the hardcore Conservative parties over the past 10 years that have taken Britain outside out of Europe. Again, it's not so much right versus left. It is how the modern right is becoming incredibly reductive and they... Uh, no longer seem to be in touch with what makes society function properly. So it's not a left versus right debate in itself. It is a new right uh, problem where because of the fear for a declining society, the fear of other countries such as India, such as China, becoming more dominant on the world stage, we are basically crawling into a shell and we believe that the shell is solved by leaving the European Union, leaving 
um, global institutions and having a huge military to defend us against the scary immigrants and the scary foreigner that is out to kill us. Because the way to solve this would be to learn the lessons from the from the Roman Empire here, very specifically, not the Roman Republic, um, but to basically acknowledge the new reality in which you live in, reorient back to your origins that made you strong, and learn how to basically thrive in this new global setting. Exactly. Understand that the world never stays the same, that you can't go back to the past, you can't make America great again. Um, in the sense of going back to some mythological 1950s situation, but adapt to those new realities and engage with those new realities. And don't think that you can crawl into that shell and then somehow everything will be fine. That's exactly what Romans in the 2nd and 3rd centuries uh, AD did. And it didn't work out for them. And that's exactly what you see now with countries such as the United States uh, trying to basically put their hands over their ears and go mama la 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 thinking that then somehow the problem in the long run will go away and it won't. This seems like a great moment to end today's conversation on the Roman Empire. If you have any questions, comments or regards, make sure to send us an email to thewesternbubble at gmail.com and we will try to incorporate them in our following episodes. Thank you very much to the listeners for joining us today. Make sure to join us again next week when we burst the Western bubble. That is it from my side, Balder. Which closing quote did you pick for us today? This is a quote from Chinua Achebe, the prominent Nigerian novelist and essayist who died in 2013 and said in a 1994 interview with the Paris Review, there is that great proverb that until the lions have their own historians, the history of the hunt will always glorify the hunter.